Did you, Ben? Forget about me. <laughs> Boy, did I. <laughs> Welcome back, mate. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be out of uh, pur- purgatory. <laughs> um, you know, it's fantastic and fun as it was to have Melzy here at the desk taking your spot, I might add. Uh, it just wasn't the same without you. So it is definitely good to have you back. Even though you can't fit past me uh, <laughs> on the desk. It's good for the... It's good to have the... Uh, what was it... Uh, Re- what, was, what was the phrase? Uh, uh, was it re- no, regular pervert? What was it? <laughs> resident pervert. Resident, resident pervert. <laughs> so, uh, well. That's going to be uh, next year's uh, Good Movie Monday t-shirt. <laughs> Thumbs it's up go- on. It's going to have, it's just going to, it's actually not even going to reference uh, Good Movie Monday. It's just going to say resident pervert above the pocket. I reckon we put a, a picture of your face and a thumbs up and it just says resident <laughs> pervert. Resident pervert. <laughs> It's on my tax return as my occupation now. At least I know you listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, how was um, how's Monster Fest? It was kick-ass. Yeah? Well, yep. as listeners will know by now, I was bitch-slapped by COVID and pummeled by the symptoms. So I actually... And I even got that fucking neck rash that they say you can get from uh, from COVID, which I kind of still have. But um, needless to say, I couldn't get to Monster Fest this year. So I did miss out. It looked like it was great. It was great. And I did... Uh, snag you a t-shirt that I just forgot to bring uh, with me today. Excellent, sir. Uh, Thank you. But, um, yeah, you were missed, especially during the screening of Melvin, Son of Elvin, oh. which I reckon you would have loved. There was, I reckon, because we played we played a short film before it called Fungus, uh, which is a great pairing. <laughs> uh, and I think there would have been about 15 people in the cinema, maybe, maybe 20. Yep. And five of them were from Fungus, and they left the minute Fungus finished. Mm. But everyone else in the cinema thoroughly, and I mean thoroughly, enjoyed Melvin Son of Abel. It's a good movie. It's great. It's incredibly politically incorrect. Like, we actually, I made a trigger warning DCP that we could slot in, in front of films that we completely forgot to use. (laughs) This one would have needed one. Yep. But. But nobody was triggered? No, everyone just had everyone just had a great time. Admittedly, the room was full of uh, nothing but straight, <laughs> straight, straight white men. <laughs> so yeah, the um, there were no Greeks in the audience. I don't think, and they don't fare too well in that film. No, it's a oh, it's a classic, mate. It's great. I did miss that one for sure. But um, well, again, it's it's great to have you back, and a massive call out and, and a shout out to Melzi. I know she's going to be listening to this, and she did a fucking incredible job last week. So she certainly did. Big thank you to Malzy. Thank you, Malzy. Um, shall we? Shall we kick off? Sure. This is Good Movie Monday, the weekly podcast dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings. My name is Glenn Cochran. I'm on mic number one. Sitting across from me on mic number two is Ben Helwig. Um, I've always been known as number two. <laughs> uh, I, no, I won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for hitting play. Uh, this is actually our second to last episode for the year. Woo! 
Yeah. <laughs> Ben's looking forward to that. Am I? What? This is the, the only time I leave the house now is to come and do this show. <laughs> As if you haven't had a couple of weeks off, mate. You want more. That is true. That is true. Today's theme is one that Ben chose ages ago, and as we just discovered off the mic, it um, hasn't quite played out the way he thought it might. But um... No, lack of uh, failure to communicate on my part, and honestly, hilarious just in the way that both of our minds work. So, we're spending the show talking about 80s teen movies that we've never seen. Is that what you pitched? That was it. I just figured that we should watch... And now, thinking about it now, it probably should have been 80s teen movies that you may not have seen. Sure. To make it, you know, audience centric. Yep. Because I remember, because you, because you texted me earlier in the week and were like, so I've got, I've come up with a list of a bunch of movies I haven't seen. And in my head, I'm like, well, how are we going to talk about those? Like, yeah, we no. haven't seen them. It's going to have to talk about lots. <laughs> lots. Yeah. <laughs> I think they There's might be. There's plenty. There's plenty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and that would be an interesting segment if we just actually took the title of a film that we hadn't seen and tried to guess what the plot was. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and then read the Wikipedia plot entry and then go, oh, this is completely different. Well, I'll go. I'll go through in a minute um, how this is going to play out for for people listening. But this is going to be a good one, a good ego check for us, I think, because yeah. a lot of movie nerds like us, uh, they gloat about how many movies they've seen, but they very few actually admit to not seen movies. And I thought about you and I, and I'm like, hang on, every single episode, at least one of us says haven't seen it. Haven't or seen it. Add that to my list. So we're safe. Like, there's no ego at this table. But um. It'll be interesting to see how this flies with the listeners. Like, are we going to aggravate people because we haven't seen these movies? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> well, that's the, mo- the 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 most uh, the most response I ever got on Facebook was doing a top ten list of films I hadn't seen, <laughs> yeah. and the anger, the anger that that list uh, created. So maybe a uh, maybe a DCP trigger warning would be nice would here. Be, yeah, <laughs> should put it in there. But and just going back to my earlier point. About the way we think. Yeah. So when I suggested this topic, in my head, it was going to be 80s teen sex comedies. <laughs> of course. I should have like known. That's uh, that's the only kind of 80s teen movie that even entered my head as, as existing. And then when you sent me the, the films that you're doing, I was like, oh, I've never heard of this. What's this one? <laughs> and I looked it up and I'm like, this is like a serious drama. <laughs> <laughs> a teen drama. <laughs> like, it's a teen drama. <laughs> but like, uh, no one's... Uh, no one's... There's, the there's, there's no group showers in this. <laughs> ah, yeah. No one's turning invisible. No one's developed the the, the ability to uh, to use mind powers to make uh, you know some underwear f- drop off. Maybe I've seen all of those. Maybe you've, yeah. <laughs> the well is dry. <laughs> <laughs> you've you've read that teen movie hell book, seen every film on that. In, it's referenced and. Uh, so here's something interesting, Ben. Last week saw another one of those spikes on our TikTok account. Um, you can never predict it, but we just keep shooting up and. Um, not literally, but <laughs> our TikTok account certainly does. That, that would filthy, make very filthy habit. interesting posts. <laughs> That's right. Um, this one, Glenn does heroin for the first time. <laughs> Every time that happens, we tend to get a bit of an influx of, of new listeners to the show. So g'day to all of those of you who are joining us for the first time. Um, we do have a website, goodmoviemonday.com. So if you uh, want to backtrack through everything that we've done, that's basically an archive for all of our episodes. I would like to apologize. My sister listened to the show a couple of times. And when I asked her what she thought, she goes, I listened to it for about 20 minutes and you guys hadn't even started talking about movies then. (laughs) So I do apologize for our opening banter. You know what? The opening banter is my favorite part of the show. And I reckon if I was a listener, you know, I'd probably only go that far. (laughs) (laughs) I'd turn off then because I've heard all I need to. Yeah. 
Ah, oh, geez. Um, anyway, we do have a lot of video content as well, and that's all on the website too. Everything we produce goes up there. Uh, so if you want to, if you want to watch our bonus content, movie chats, uh, just a little bit of gameplay, interviews with uh, famous people, and our spin-off vodcast up late, that's it's all on our website. What kind of gameplay, Glenn? Oh, you know, uh, guess the movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, name the celebrity. That's not what I thought. Uh, it's, it's like a, this is like a Fantails kind of gameplay rather than the oh, right. uh, the cock and ball torture I was envisioning <laughs> slash hoping for. Hoping well, for. They, I told you, they don't call me cock ring for nothing, mate. <laughs> this is, and I guess it's a good thing that I'm not on the up lights with Chloe. <laughs> you just well, get, it's like, you know, I've, I've, on those ones I've seen, you rarely start talking about OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> no, because what we're doing next year is, well, you know how in America you had the late show, then you had the late, late show? Right. So we're going to have the, the up late, late show. And right. then that's you and I just, um, you know, reviewing, you know, dirty reviewing movies. Reviewing the late show? No. <laughs> <laughs> reviewing dirty movies. <laughs> that's a, that's a quite different. I guess the early show then is us talking is starting that Hallmark podcast. That well, we that's I mean about. that's still a thing, but I think the 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 up late late we'll call it Norks and all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, let's talk social medias for a minute. Um, please like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Most importantly, download the Newsly app. That is uh that should be your number one podcast destination. It's a huge resource of all of the world's news, current affairs, entertainment, sports, politics. In the palm of your hand, it's a super app that reads the news back to you in a natural human voice. Um, we Look, can we can get people free months premium service if they use our code Monday without the O M N D A Y. That's fantastic. Are, <laughs> are you able to upload your own things that then Newsly will read to you? I don't know. <laughs> I was about to say I don't think so, but I do not know. <laughs> you might have I, to explore that. I do believe I got someone to sign up. Uh, earlier today, but I told him that that's what you could do. And he's like, oh, I've got a couple of e-books that I haven't got around to reading. That would be really handy. I know that Newsly listen to this podcast, so they might now be sweating bullets yeah. <laughs> after you've said that. Well, uh, a, maybe they've a, had a light bulb moment. It's a sign-up, hey? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, of course, there's Letterbox, Ben. Yeah, so, I, know, I've, I kind of forgot about that the last two weeks. I've been I've been doing it for you. I saw. I, saw, I, went, I, went, in, I went in today and I was like, oh, I forgot Letterboxd to have a look. And I was like, oh, it's already there. <laughs> yeah. So if anybody listening likes the sound of the, the movies that we talk about on the show, you can find them all there listed by episode. That's a great way to sort of discover the world of movies according to Good Movie Monday. <laughs> the world according to Glenn and Ben. Yeah. Gap. <laughs> Get Gin. So um, we have Gl our... No. A weekly segment, Screen Round coming up. Guillermo's going to bring you all of the past week's important movie news. The Bonehead Weekly podcast from Kentucky will be applying their perspective on today's theme. wonder if they went down the sex comedy route. I haven't, well, apparently, uh... Chad doesn't like uh, oh, teen movies. Yes, it's all coming back to me because I um, that was a pre-record that I listened to a while <coughs> ago. Yes, excellent. Well, as for right now, um, Jarrett's back as well, like long after his little Monster Fest stint. Woo! <laughs> Woo! This is the part of the show where he tells you what you should be spending your money on. Blu-ray, 4K, DVD, all that kind of stuff. And heroin. I mean, Atmos, Dolby Atmos <laughs> sound. Hey, this is Jarrett and welcome to PE Class. First up, Universal Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Now from the Paramount catalogue, they're releasing writer-director Parker Finn's debut feature, Smile. It's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. Now this film proved to be a bit of a surprise box office hit and it's even encouraged the studio responsible, Paramount Pictures, to establish a division dedicated to producing genre content. 
Finn's feature is a rarity in that it's a studio produced horror film that isn't aimed at a predominantly teen audience. It has adult characters, slow burn pacing, and isn't relying on fast cuts and jump scares that you can time your watch to. I'm not saying it's a great movie, but it's a good one and it's a positive step toward major studios producing genre content for an older demographic. As for the Blu-ray and DVD, they contain the following special features. A commentary track with Finn, the short film that inspired Smile titled Laura Hasn't Slept, and two featurettes titled Something's Wrong With Rose, Making Smile, and Flies on the Wall, Inside the Score. Next up, ViaVision, and they're releasing their first 4K Ultra HD as part of the imprint catalogue with 1953's War of the Worlds. This 4K UHD itself is a direct port of the Paramount release that's already been released in the US and the UK, but it also includes the previously released imprint Blu-ray bundled with it, and that's the disc that includes all the exclusive imprint content. Now I will mention that this is the Paramount Master, not the Criterion Master, which means that Angry Red Planet is actually now blue. It's not a biggie, but I thought I should mention it just in case it's a deal breaker. The release itself comes housed in a 3D lenticular hardbox and the discs themselves inside a steelbook. It sounds like a pretty fine release, yeah? Well, it is, albeit an expensive one, as it's retailing around the $100 mark. Now the last release I will mention from ViaVision is Cabin Fever 1 and 2. It's a double pack of Eli Roth's Cabin Fever and Ty West's Cabin Fever 2 Spring Fever and it's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. Now as this is the last segment, of PE class until Good Movie Monday returns early in the new year, I will mention a few titles that are coming out during the break. First up we've got Don't Worry Darling, it's headed to 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray and DVD on January 4th. We've got King Kong Lives, that's headed to Blu-ray as part of Umbrella Entertainment's Beyond Genres line on January 18th. Then Black Adam, it's headed to all the formats on January 18th also. And lastly, Halloween ends on 4K Blu-ray and DVD January 25th. Anyway, that's it for me for 2022, so until 2023, stay physical. And that's some good stuff coming out. And, and good man, Jarrett, for, for covering some of the titles that have been released over the break. Um, but Ben, one of, the, one of the things that he didn't mention was, uh, and that you have a bit of a vested interest in, was this week's release of Death in Brunswick. Yes, indeedy. What? An amazing movie that is. Like, that was a staple of my uh, my formative years. Did you have to watch it in school? No, I just this was a. I, rem I remember the trailers on the commercials on television, and it always showed that scene of them carrying the body through the graveyard and it farts. Yeah, <laughs> um, that'd be Sam Neill and John Clark carrying the corpse, and yeah. and uh, from Zoe that, Caridis. Zoe Caridis and, uh... is in there. From that moment on, that movie was just a, a really special movie to me. It's very dark. Um, yeah, it's it's a very hard movie to describe or compare to any others. But, um, and it shows a very a very kind of gritty side to Brunswick, but it, it does. It's got a great scene where they go to the um, they go to a, a cinema, which I think was the old. I can't remember the name of the. Was it the Prospect it's, Theater? It's or? now a ballet school, whatever it is. Yeah. Yep. Um. Uh. And uh. And like just watching that is great. Seeing that venue, that cinema is actually, it's actually still there. All everything is there. The ballet school just have no interest in. Mm. In using it as a, as a cinema, I heard um, his name Gus Berger from um, the Thornbury Picture House talk about it when he was spruiking his doco. Yeah, talking about 
how he got in to run that before he, the whole reason he started Thornbury Picture House is because he got in to do a screening at that place and they said never again. Right. And he was so upset that he actually, he went out and just found another place and, and started his own cinema. Oh my goodness. But it did play at Miff too, but just, just played at Miff as part of the, and it's in that, in their book that they put out about movies made in Melbourne. Right. Um, and, and the screening in that movie, is it Howling 3? In Death yes, Brunswick that, yeah, they, that they go to? Yeah. Yeah, good yeah. stuff, good stuff. It's um, uh, yeah, directed by John Ruane. I think it was his first film. John Clark, yeah, as you said. Yep. Sam Neill, Zoe Caridis. It's a great cast. And if you buy the Blu-ray exclusively on the Umbrella website, then you get a flip-sided uh, slipcase with the VHS poster art and the original Daybill theatrical art. And you would know all about it. Just, just, I just happened to have been on the Umbrella <laughs> website uh, checking it out. But there's a, there's, there's a bunch of extras on it. Um, all the extras from the old uh, two-disc Umbrella Blue uh, DVD have yep. been ported over. Amazing. Plus, there is a the new MIF Q and A that we shot, and a something else now. I can't. It's completely gone out of my. Well, head. this is for people to discover, right? Yeah. So Just, <laughs> it's all listed on the Umbrella. Go website. out and get it. Um, thank you, Jarrett, and uh, I know you're listening, so I hope you're well rested after Monster Fest, mate. And so, Ben, you must be exhausted from Monster Fest too. And and how did that play into today's show? Because I can't imagine wanting to prep for a podcast straight off the bat of the back well, of that. Like a, because it's teen sex comedies, it, <laughs> didn't, it didn't feel like work. <laughs> it was it was interesting too because I realised in the prep for this show and just even listing, like going through a list of films, even the ones I had seen, I realised that most of them I'd watched as. Uh, uh, young teen yeah late night on channel seven channel nine and channel 10 when they would play them yeah but i would have to sneak up to watch them so i didn't have the volume on <laughs> so i just watched most of these movies and having no real idea no about what the plot really was all right well this is this is how it's going to work so much like every other week where we recommend movies we are going to talk about 80s teen movies that we've never seen before but we did watch these for the first time in the past week or so yep. in the lead up to this. But that means that these aren't really recommendations. These are more reactions because I know for a fact that one of mine really sucked real bad. So I can't recommend it, but I can talk about it. <laughs> so reactions it is. Um, but I was honestly surprised how many movies I hadn't seen when I was um, prepping for this. I mean, what did you just, you just went through all the Porky's films, all the <laughs> Meatballs films. I went, okay, I've seen those. Yeah. Everything else is Revenge fair Revenge of the Nerds. Like, yeah. yeah, all the franchises. Well, like you said, anything with, you know, soapy, suddy shower scenes. Yeah. <laughs> soapy, suddy, nutty shower scenes. <laughs> anything in a summer camp. And inappropriate boys' behavior. Lots of that. Um, I mean, you and I have a pretty good knowledge of such things um, when it comes to teen movies, but I was pleasantly surprised how many... Uh, I haven't seen, which means I get to discover them for the first time. So I'm pretty excited about um, you know, chasing some of these up. So I'm going to go. Kind with... of. I mean, it was. A sh it's a short week. We're actually recording this show earlier because we both have Christmas-related commitments. Yep. Uh, so we're not recording when we usually do. So it actually is kind of one where, even though I knew it was coming up, I wish I'd taken more time because I could have watched a whole lot more films. Yes. As part of it. Well, I certainly wish I had watched an alternative one, that's for sure. But I'm going to start with one that I actually really genuinely liked. Um, and I can't believe I'd never heard of the movie before, but I had heard of the book, which is odd, right? So I knew this title as a book. I never knew it was a movie. It's called The Chocolate War, and it's from 1988. And I'm sure there's some people, you know, in all of these uh, examples that are going to be thinking, what the fuck? Like, how have you not seen this? But um, 
you know, just deal with it. We haven't. <laughs> <laughs> but this one, it's based on, like I said, a novel. It was a very controversial novel at the time. It's been blacklisted many times in the US and banned from schools and some libraries. Uh, so I, you know, that's why I knew it because I knew it was on that blacklist. It stars Elan Mitchell Smith, the kid from Weird Science, you know, the the uh, the one that's not uh, Anthony Michael Hall. That kid, yes. Uh, he's the lead. It also has people like Adam Baldwin, who you spoke about on a, a recent show. Doug Hutchison, you know, the, the guy that plays Squeeze on X-Files and was in The Green Mile. and um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. The guy uh, who's married the 20-year-old. Yes, that or guy. Or the 16-year-old. <laughs> yes, that's correct. Uh, we'll just move on. Uh, Wallace <laughs> Langham, Bud Court, has a sort of an extended cameo appearance. Jenny Wright, who... um. I love her in movies. And John Glover uh, as sort of the, I guess, the villainous headmaster of the film. So Perfect casting for John Glover. Oh, tell me about it. So the gist of it is it's about a private Catholic school um, and they have a secret society of student pranksters. They're called the Vigils. And they bully and intimidate and, you know, all the, all the, the selected vulnerable people who they deem to be vulnerable anyway. Um, and then they assign these people humiliating tasks to do in public. Uh, and... Unlike a lot of other movies that have secret societies, they're not malicious in most of their assignments where it's, you know, it might be violence or sexual in nature. They're just things that are going to stir some kind of trouble within the the, the faculty or something like that. Um, And I mean, if this trope of a a secret school society sounds familiar, that's because it's been done a hundred times. So this film is very formulaic. It's, you know, if you've seen Dangerously Close or The Skulls, um, there's a little bit of school ties in there as well. I think there's currently three TV series yeah. based on this secret secret college society. Yeah. And, and well, the focus of this one, the, the, the actual plot of the movie is uh, called The Chocolate Wars because there's a chocolate drive that the school is doing. And it's it's headed by um, the John Glover character. But he's actually stolen or spent more money than he should and doubled up on the inventory. So it's just to sort of big note himself because he's sort of acting as the headmaster and thinks he's, you know, shit don't stink. So he's actually gone well over his quota and the chocolate's not moving, right? So he's now in panic mode and he enlists the vigils, this, uh, this society, to start putting pressure on the students to sell. And one kid, uh, the Elan Mitchell Smith character, refuses to do it because he's been assigned by the vigils to refuse, you know, right. trying to cause some trouble. But once the, the 10 days of that assignment are up, he still refuses to do it and suddenly becomes a little bit of a, a poster boy for the other kids and they all start refusing to do it as well, putting this headmaster in a predicament, blah, blah, blah. Um, and look, in, in book terms, you can understand why this is controversial because there's a lot of profanity, there's um, a lot of psychological and, and to an extent sexual torment that does go on it's not in the movie like that at all however the movie without that stuff is really well made the performances are incredible and i just don't know why i'd never seen it before yeah i'd never heard of it before you sent me the the list of the book either yeah right i mean john glover is just this is one of my favorite roles of his i must say have you ever considered how awesome a, a buddy cop tv show would be if it starred um uh his name's just going right out of my head now. John Glover. John, 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 John Glover yeah. and William Atherton. <laughs> like as That's a grumpy pair. That's a yeah. <laughs> How good would that be? Like they'd be like like renegade, except they're both bikers. Yeah. Yeah. 
Riding the Badlands. Or they could both be Catholic, solving crimes. Catholic headmasters from opposing schools. Or Catholic. I don't like them with haircuts, but I, I see where you're going. Yeah, they could have. I like. I like uh, John Glover with like long hair. Like he, when he has uh, long hair in this. Yeah, when he's like uh, Lionel Luther. Yeah, he looks very Lionel Luther in this, except he's wearing like the black robe, although the brown robe that some yeah. of the Catholic with the rope around there. Yeah, it's weird. I always think of him too as the <clears> as the um, the doctor in charge of the mental ward in, in the mouth of madness <laughs> when he's, and he's all buttoned down and you're like oh, uh, not a lot more to add I really enjoyed it but it's directed by Keith Gordon um, who's also an actor but he has directed movies like The Singing Detective he did Waking the Dead which I think was that the original Singing Detective no, or the new one the, the new, new one, one with Robert Downey Jr yeah which was Mel Gibson produced I think I think so uh, The Midnight Clear and uh, Mother Night there are other movies of his as well And um, was, it, was Mother Night one of those video easy exclusives I think it was I think it Back was. In the day. I missed those. Uh, and it's on Amazon Prime if you do want to check it out. I do highly recommend it because the final act is just something really special. It's it's very unique and you don't see a lot of it in movies. So it's so it's not the because um, <laughs> in my head I'm picturing it that it's the scent of a woman end. <laughs> what I do know, having read up on it, is that the movie changes the ending of the book for its own purposes. But both endings are pretty cool. So um, yeah, check the movie out. It's it's a if you like movies, I, I guess, like, um, even... I think it's on Amazon Prime. <laughs> so you can... Just said that. Oh, did you? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And if you like things like Dead Poets Society, that's a good comparable title as well. What's happening, everybody? It's Guillermo here again from Screen Realm. That's ScreenRealm.com and Screen Realm on YouTube. Kicking off with the scrapping of Wonder Woman 3. That's right, it appears that the planned third film to star Gal Gadot as the DC hero will no longer be going ahead. This redevelopment is part of a restructuring that appears to be in progress following the hiring of filmmaker James Gunn and producer Peter Safran to oversee the DC Universe. The Hollywood Reporter broke the news about Wonder Woman 3 scrapping, reporting that Patty Jenkins, who directed Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 1984, recently gave in her treatment for the threequel, which she co-wrote with Jeff Johns. But Gunn and Safran, as well as Warner Brothers Pictures co-chairs and co-CEOs Michael DeLuca and Pamela Apti, broke the news to her telling her that as it stood right now the project is not moving ahead. There's also strong speculation that the planned next Superman film which would bring back Henry Cavill as the Man of Steel is no longer going ahead as well although that hasn't been confirmed. As always there seems to be a lot going on and a lot unknown in the DC Universe. James Gunn releases a statement that didn't really clarify anything saying as for the story yesterday in The Hollywood Reporter, some of it is true, some of it is half true, some of it's not true, and some of it we haven't decided on whether it's true or not. Although this first month at DC has been fruitful, building the next 10 years of story takes time and we're still just beginning. Later in the statement, which he tweeted, he also said, We know we are not going to make every single person happy every step of the way, but we can promise everything we do is done in the service of the story and in the service of the DC characters we know you cherish and we have cherished our whole lives. Matt Damon and Casey Affleck will be starring together in The Instigators, a crime drama that's been set up at Apple Original Films. The film will have Damon and Affleck playing two thieves on the run with the help of one of their therapists after a robbery goes wrong. On board to direct is Doug Liman, whose credits include The Bourne Identity, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and Edge of Tomorrow. The screenplay is by Chuck McLean, who is the creator of the Showtime series City on a Hill, starring Kevin Bacon. There's a sequel to cult classic 1999 comedy Election on the way. Paramount Pictures has officially made the announcement for the sequel, which has been titled Tracy Flick Can't Win. Alexander Payne is returning as director, and the original film star Reese Witherspoon is going to be back reprising her role, and she's going to be producing the film as well. 
The original film was based on Tom Perotta's 98 novel of the same name, then followed a high school teacher played by Matthew Broderick who finds himself on a collision course with an overachieving student politician, Tracy played by Witherspoon. It was a satire that drew parallels between the worlds of high school and politics. The sequel is going to be based on Perotta's follow-up novel and it's another satirical dark comedy that will find Tracy in adulthood still struggling to fight her way to the top. Tracy Flick Can't Win is being made for streaming service Paramount+. Plus. A change-up in directors for a planned Bee Gees movie? The untitled Bee Gees film, which Paramount Pictures will be distributing worldwide, was originally to be directed by John Carney, known for Sing Street, Begin Again and Once. Well, he's reportedly stepped away due to scheduling conflicts, and coming in to take his place at the helm is director Lorene Scafaria, known for the recent strippers drama Hustlers. The project's latest screenplay draft comes from John Logan, the Oscar-nominated screenwriter known for The Aviator, Skyfall, Rango and Sweeney Todd, among other projects. And finally, Rush Hour 4 is officially in the works. Jackie Chan himself confirmed the news at the Red Sea Film Festival in Saudi Arabia, saying, we're talking about part 4 right now. He also said he's going to meet up with an upcoming film director, but he didn't mention who it was. Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker were part of three Rush Hour films, all directed by Brett Ratner, but probably don't expect Ratner to be returning at the helm, considering the allegations that had been brought against him. That about does for me everyone, be sure to hit up ScreenRealm.com for your latest movie trailers, we've also got reviews, giveaways and your latest Australian streaming release schedules, and as always, ScreenRealm on YouTube. Thanks so much, catch you next time. Looking from a window above, it's like a story of love.
right. Well, Ben, what I didn't mention about The Chocolate War is it has a fucking awesome soundtrack. Really cool one. Case in point being that song we just heard, Only You by Yazoo. That's the type of song that you think is in every 80s teen movie. Teen movie. Uh, and turns out it's not. <laughs> and that song actually has some really great uh, covers. There's one I, that I caught on Rage one morning and I didn't realize it was a cover, which is like a, um, it's an acapella Right. And the guy singing is a guy who I'd just seen playing a, a toothless villain in an episode of The Bill. And I was like, "Who's this guy? Was a singer? Like he's and in The Bill, he's playing like he's a like a racist scumbag thief." Yeah, right. And he, in this, he's like uh, they're all in a like a pool hall or a pub, a British pub, singing "Only You" in really high, high pitched kind of acapella. It's amazing. It's, it's a great song, whichever way it's sung, I reckon. But one thing I didn't mention about the movie was the. Interesting bit of trivia. The music budget for the film was about $15,000, I think it was. And, I mean, that's amazing for the songs that they did get. Uh, but they wanted the hero of the, the movie, the hero song, they wanted David Bowie's Heroes, right? Right. And he wanted a hundred grand for it. And so they thought, nope, we're not going to do that. And they chose Kate Bush's Running Up That Hill, which now, oh, like, yeah. what, 30 years later, is the biggest song of the year, thanks to Stranger Things. Yeah. And... Having watched this movie with that song in mind, because I've heard it all over TikTok and YouTube, like it just felt more powerful. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, fuck you, Stranger Things audience. I'm watching the original. <laughs> like, this is where the song really comes from. This is where it made it famous originally. <laughs> so famous I'd never heard of the movie. <laughs> all right, let's, um, let's find out what your first discovery is. All right, so I'm going to go way back to 1985. Uh, <laughs> you say way back because we're talking about 80s movies. Yeah. <laughs> of course it's, you're going way back. It's right in the middle. It's right in the middle of that back time. Uh, and this movie, I am, I to be honest, I've known about it for years. I've seen clips, the specific clips of it for years. And yet, and I bought the, and I, I bought the Blu-ray mm. and the Blu-ray from the import from the US, it ain't cheap. I still didn't watch it. I've had it for, for a couple of See, years. I feel like I've cheated by choosing one I'd never heard of before yeah. that I discovered in my little exploration. Whereas you've gone for one that you've known about for a long time, should have watched, but never did. Well, that's it. I mean, I think I've told you this <laughs> off mic before, but when we were coming up with all the themes for the show yeah. at the start of the year, I literally just looked around my DVD and Blu-ray shelves <laughs> And I was like, what movies haven't I seen that I really want to watch, but I just never get around to? And then picked, tried to make themes around Shoot those. Shoot in, yeah. 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 Um, I'm still disappointed we didn't get to do that Jungle War one because I want to watch that Toy Soldiers. <laughs> There's always next year. <laughs> There's always next year. Um, but this, so this one is, a bit, is like not embarrassing, but it's I'm surprised. And I, I think people out there would be surprised that I haven't seen okay. it. It is 1985's Just One of the Guys. Oh, goodness me. Which is a... It's such an interesting teen sex comedy because it's almost the antithesis yeah. of a teen sex comedy. It's directed by Lisa Gottlieb, um, who I think did a couple of episodes of Freddy's Nightmares after this and yeah. you know some other bits and pieces, but never you know n never anything huge. It stars uh, Joyce Heiser, who plays she's this um, she's a high school student. She's uh, you know super attractive. She's got a incredibly good looking college college boyfriend yep. there everyone in the movie is sexually active <laughs> yeah. including her 15 year old little brother uh uh but at school she wants to become a journalist and she submits her they've got a competition where you can win an internship at, at uh like the tribune so a newspaper and she submits her her application and she doesn't get it and she asks her teacher 
why and just prior to her asking the why her her teacher and another teacher male teacher are talking about how hot some of the students are <laughs> and uh, you know how you can go to jail for saying things like that you know, it'd be worth it like there's it's, <laughs> it was a lot of politically incorrect stuff going on here it's the best thing about the uh, but she and so he tells her look it just it just her work wasn't good enough sure. and he needs to he can only submit people for this competition who have a real shot at actually becoming journalists and why doesn't she take up something like modeling mm. or something like modeling is so much easier <laughs> than yeah. journalism uh and so she kind of she gets it into her head that it's because she's a girl mm. and uh, so she just she goes home and and cuts her hair short um uh, compresses everything mm-hmm and becomes a boy yep. and then goes to a, a kind of a competing, much poorer high school uh, where she plans to submit the same piece of writing yep. and, and get into this competition. Uh, the kind of, the, 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 the trick of this movie is that when she does that, it's also rejected because, and the, 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 the professor there says, or the teacher is like, look, your writing is great, but these stories are boring. They've got yeah. no hook. Like you're not grabbing me at all with yep. any of this stuff, and it actually, like, so it's a really interesting thing that it actually had nothing to do with her gender. It's that her work actually just wasn't up to scratch. Yeah, but yeah, doing that. So then he basically, but then he actually tells her what she can do to improve and how to do it, and that kind of leads to this to the the rest of the story. It's like the gender version of Soul Man, where you know, yeah, like you're putting yourself in someone else's shoes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Uh, this this film has a has a phenomenal cast. So I've mentioned Joy Heiser, Clayton Roma, who's played like a nerd or a wimp in millions of movies, is kind of the the love interest. Billy Jane is her horny little brother, who is hilarious. He's like he's fifteen, but all he wants to do is get laid. <laughs> he decorates his entire room with Playboy magazines, and no one bats an eye really. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tony Hudson plays her best friend. Tony Hudson was in School Spirit and. Uh, a couple other awesome uh, films, but uh, our good friend, and I say that, he's not really, <laughs> William Zabka from Karate Kid slash Cobra Kai is like the popular girl, uh, the popular girl at the new school who's played by Deborah Goodrich from Remote Control that I only watched for the first time a couple of weeks ago as well. Uh, and he's also, he's totally insecure and all he does is beat up nerds and anyone that talks to her. Right, okay. Uh, so he's kind of the villain of the film. Which is what he did best in the uh, in the eighties. In the eighties, yeah, yeah, totally. That's it, yeah. He's like James Spader when James Spader was being an asshole. I think the only movie in the eighties he wasn't like a he was a douche but not an asshole was in um, European Vacation. Yeah, <laughs> He's yeah. so good. In that. So good. Uh, Ari Gross also pops up in this yeah. one, and uh, a very young Sherilyn Fenn. Oh, uh, it's a fantastic film. And I like it. on the on the Blu Ray that it does have an audio commentary with Lisa Gottlieb, Joyce Heiser. Clayton Roma, uh, Tony Hudson turns up, and Ari Gross, and they talk about how how there's a lot of interesting things that kind of that come out in that commentary. It's a fascinating listen, yeah. and it is unlike a lot of those comment kind of commentaries. It is all five of them in a room together, not one where they've recorded separately and then just chopped and changed them, which is incredibly yeah, frustrating and is. shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, they all, and it, you know, the, the nudity in the film is one of the most kind of memorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of nude scenes and they actually talk about how all of the actresses in the film had no no nudity co- clauses in their contracts yeah. and Deborah Good, uh, Lisa Gottlieb certainly wasn't trying to talk them into it it was actually Joyd Heiser who kind of at the big reveal mm. was because was like 
this needs to happen. Like, otherwise the whole movie doesn't make sense. Like this, it really needs yeah. this reveal. Yeah. And, but she said, she also said when they made the movie, which I'm not really sure if it was true, but I suppose it was for, for, for cinema, but their freeze frame didn't really exist. Yeah. Had freeze frame existed, she probably wouldn't have done it. They didn't <laughs> comprehend where yeah. things would, uh, where HD it was going. And <laughs> all yeah. these things streaming. And let me tell you, the Blu-ray is, <laughs> Supreme in quality. <laughs> um, they in the nineties they did a sequel, just one of the girls. Yeah, right. Corey Haim. And he's And you'll know the poster. You'll know the poster. Is it similar to uh Ladybugs? <laughs> well, isn't the poster for the one the just one of the guys she's got two soccer balls? She's got two soccer yeah, she's in the, the she's in the locker room breasts. with all with a bunch of naked yep. guys behind her. Yes. And she's got the two soccer balls covering Whereas her. Whereas the chest. poster for the sequel has Corey Haim in a cheerleader's outfit yep. with pom poms in front of the lockers. And I think his wigs come off. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's the interesting thing about this film is that it does only really have that one kind of nude scene. Yeah. The rest it's all it's all the exact opposite. Like she's in the locker room trying to figure out a way to keep her clothes on where all the guys are naked. Yeah. And you know, that's kind of the and she going to the toilets. Like if it's the other way around in a traditional sex comedy, it's always you know, even in um uh, was it Animal House, I think when they dress up as the girls yeah. and they're all like, you know, in the women's toilets, seeing all of them in their shower, having their shower and stuff like that. Yeah. This is like the kind of the exact opposite where it's all about her trying to Avoid looking at these things and, that and might, keeping yeah, her clothes I mean, on. That, that relates to the story, but also might be the benefit of having a female director. Mm. You know, the different sensibility. But um, yeah, totally. And I think did they also in the they remade it with um Amanda Bynes as she's the man, with Channing Tatum as well. Yeah, right. But this yeah, it's a well, soccer movie. Loose remake, like yeah. conceptually. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's just a gender swap. Yeah, yeah I yeah. always think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like certainly the just one of the guys plot is not uh, <laughs> wasn't the first time that that ever. <laughs> Uh, came about. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have thought. Well, here are just some of the guys. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. We're talking '80s teen movies we've never seen. And Chad says they don't have to be obscure. And I say, hi, pickles. And then I say, if I haven't seen them, they're probably pretty obscure. Chad's got one he said isn't obscure, but mine's obscure as hell. I had never even heard of this movie till I started looking it up. It's called 1987's Nice Girls Don't Explode. A young lady is kept away from boys by her overprotective mother because flames tend to spontaneously erupt whenever her hormones are aroused. For her protection on a dinner date is carrying a fire extinguisher. Yeah. That's what I said, Pickles. It has Wallace Shawn in it, gentlemen. Erwin yeah. Keyes, Barbara Harris, William O'Leary. These other people I don't know. I was more about Wallace Shawn. Have you guys even heard of this movie? It's directed by a guy named Chuck Martinez. Didn't do anything of importance. Paul Harris, who wrote it, did nothing of importance other than some hour gang documentaries. I've never even heard of this picture. Have either nope. of you? Never heard of it. I don't even know where I'd find it. You have to search for it on DVD, it looks like. So I'm just happy that no one else has ever heard of this movie except, well, no one's ever heard of it. But it's got Wallace Shawn in it. Hell, we didn't see a Wallace Shawn film. I've seen I our dinner know. with Andre. Inconceivable inconceivable that they haven't seen this chad all right so mine's a big one uh so i figured i'll get a lot of oh, it is it and it's one of my favorite writers and directors smoke uh, and mirrors nope 16 candles never seen it how have you never seen 16 candles <laughs> would you like me to sing the song that has nothing to do with the movie no i i, I just never got 16 to it. Can 
Oh, and, and really play that often in the movie. We don't have time to talk about how I am not a big fan of high, of teen movies anyway. So it just kind of bypassed me. I never saw 16 Candles. I I attempted to watch it about three years ago. I got through the opening scene of her talking to her dad, and then I shut it off. I'm like, well, I can't you didn't do even it. get to the good part. You didn't even get to the culturally insensitive parts that no longer will people tolerate. No, and I don't know what those are. I've just never seen it. I never had. I never had a desire to watch that. It's There's not that one. Bad, but it's not as great as people remember. But it's a yeah, it's just, good movie. Yeah, I just I don't know. I can't get. I could never make myself watch it. And I don't see myself ever doing it anytime soon. You really should. It has a great performance. I can't remember the actor, the lead, uh, Paul. I can't remember. It's not Paul Lamont. It's Paul something who plays her dad is a fantastic character actor. You, yeah, you, I know. I, I know. Yeah, he's he, he he's great. But and Anthony Michael Hall's funny, and it has the whole thing with the underwear. Yeah, you should watch it. That's okay. I'd rather I'd, I'd rather watch morons better. from outer weird science sucks. I'd rather watch more weird science does not suck. Yeah, it does. Uh, nope. Sorry, James. Go. It does. Go ahead, I give you an 18 and probably won't be seeking it anytime soon, though it does have a great cast. And the tagline, the ice, the fire, the fight to be the best. Ice Pirates so, of Doom. Starring Rob Lowe, Patrick Swayze, in a couple scenes, Keanu Reeves, a 17-year-old farm boy is offered an ice hockey tryout. His brother drives him to Canada. He has fast legs, slow fist, but is chosen. Will he learn to use his fist and play ice hockey the Canuck way? That's right. Youngblood, 1986. I love Youngbloods. I've never seen it. Oh, I love Youngbloods. As a it's kid, young I haven't blood, seen it. It's singular. Youngblood. I, I, I haven't seen it since as an adult, but I loved it as a kid because I liked hockey. You grew up in Wadi. Yeah, I know, which is why I can never play it, which is probably why I liked it so much. You yeah, you never failed at it, which means it's a lot more fun, right? I mean, if it, once you fail well, something, you're like, yeah, And the problem is, I, I really loved hockey, and then I watched an ice hockey game, and I'm like, oh, no. Really? <laughs> I actually enjoy it. I haven't done it in years, but when they had the Men of War in Lexington, that was actually kind of fun. Watching Live it. and on TV are two different things. I like watching that. It's like, I like, it's watching like auto racing. It's like yeah. NASCAR, right? Oh, well, yeah. I, I enjoyed watching live hockey. But by I'm, the way, useless young blood trivia. Keanu Reeves had uh, skating uh, ice hockey experience in college. Patrick Swayze had trained as a figure skater, so he knew how to skate. The main star being Rob Lowe was the only one that had no skating experience before the film. That's okay. I can fake it. This has been Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Weird Science is good. Uh, it sucks. Weird Science is good. Hey, stop recording. Just stop recording. It also <laughs> starts Ed Lauder. <laughs> I prefer my science experiment. Good on Chad, I reckon. Like, fessing up to a movie that any respectable movie fan should have seen. Like, seriously. Look, I hadn't seen it until a couple of years ago. 16 Candles? Like, essential viewing. Yeah, I just, I like, the 16 Candles and, um, Pretty in Pink were ones that were always on TV and I never watched them. I love 16 Candles particularly. I just think it is a, a near-perfect film, even for all of its, you know, outdated social norms that Joe winced at. Um, you know, I mean... is that, That's the one with John Cryer as... No, that's Pretty in Pink. It's got Long Duck Dong. <laughs> the, the Japanese exchange student. <laughs> no, actually, I think Pretty in Pink is a John Cryer one. For sure, because he plays the the best friend that that wants. So that's the one where her dad's the pool cleaner. No, no, that's I think um Harry Dean Stanton in in Pretty in Pink, in Sixteen Candles she comes from sort of a uh, like a middle class family and and they forget her her birthday, right? And the older sister um gets doped up on like Novocaine or something like that, some kind of sedative on her wedding day, 
Anyway. Oh, having trouble remembering it now. I, like, it's all blending into what? Which is the one with James Spader that's, and... That's... Pretty in Pink? Pretty in Pink, yes. And Andrew McCarthy? Pretty in Pink, yes. Right. This one has the other guy in the knitted sweater as her love interest. I can't remember his name. He's, but he's like a good-looking guy that... He vanished from Hollywood. Com- completely, yeah. I wrote about him a while ago, actually. Um, where are they now type of story. And um, yeah, he's now, I think if I'm not mistaken, owns a little store somewhere in like um, middle America. And you can just rock up and be served by him. Like he's a business right. owner. But um, Anyway, uh, one thing I wanted to just point out there, because um, Joe also mentioned that Weird Science is not a great film, right? Right, so Nonsense. yes. So what I'm getting at here is how can we possibly take his hate for Halloween end seriously <laughs> when he says that weird science sucks? Yeah. Like where's the integrity? Yeah, look, I think it's just it's just highlighting the kind of shows that Joe likes, which <laughs> means that we never have to take any of his opinions seriously from now on. <laughs> anyway, it is my turn again. And uh before I start, um uh, are there any notable mentions that you wanna wanna lay on the table? I might save mine for a bit later, but if you wanna throw some out there so many like well these are ones i've actually seen oh ones that you've actually seen <laughs> these are 80s teen movies that i've seen that i think people should see in case they if haven't. they haven't all right i already talked about melvin son of alvin yes okay. uh, earlier in the would show would you call it a teen movie it's a, he's a schoolboy. that's true in the film he's at school it's true he gets he gets harassed in the uh toilets he because the whole the whole premise of melvin son of alvin so alvin purple is the 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 conceit of alvin purple was that he's the sexiest man alive but Graham Blundell is a kind of a short, shrimpy kind of guy. And for our international listeners, these are Aussie films. Uh, these are Australian films. So Melvin, son of Alvin, took a different tack. In the, it stars Jerry Sont, who is like a who was like a male model prior yeah. to getting this this kind of role, but he's terrified of women. So even though he has his father's uh, uh, animal magnetism, mm-hmm. he's terrified of it, and he's been harassed. And it's it's because he's been harassed since he was a young boy. Like you know, even at the even at the hospital. Yep. All the nurses and all the other mothers are constantly shoving their tits in his face, <laughs> and he's terrified of them. But um, I so, have I have a DVD of it, but I can't wait yeah. to get the Blu-ray. Cannot wait. Yeah, it's if Umbrella release it. Oh, I thought they were. Well, they've done the scan, they've done the they've done the telecine and the restoration. But well, if they do, it'll uh, it be may on just my... it may just go on VOD. I don't it'll, know. It'll be in my basket. If um, but other ones look other other look other and once again these are my teen sex comedies rather than the serious <laughs> ones but that you should check out if you haven't mm. School Spirit as I, I mentioned a couple of times on this show yep. Private School aka Private School for Girls is a classic yep uh, Private Lessons with Sylvia Christel damn straight uh, and it's got a weird sequel called uh, They're Playing With Fire right uh, which is uh, the same character kind of but later on yep. like after high school yep uh, Beach Girls is fantastic. Oh, yeah. My Tudor with uh, Matt Latanzi and uh, was it Karen Karen Kay or something like that? I think her name is. Anyway, she's great. Joysticks, of course. Joysticks. With, oh, uh, mate. Graydon, um, VHS Graydon days for sure. I used to thrash that one. The the the, the greatest one, mm. really. I mean, like aside from your big franchises, the best. And I'm not even sure if it actually qualifies as a teen sex comedy now that I think about it. But <laughs> it was of that ilk. Yeah. But the best one was Bachelor Party with Tom Hanks. Of course. That is a great movie. Like That was the standard by which all others were kind of measured. Yes. Uh, in my opinion. Um, I, I showed that to my kids when they were just probably 12, 13. Um, they were just getting into the sex comedies. And I thought, let's go back to the 80s and do some. 
I couldn't believe how well they took to that movie. Like, yeah. they laughed their ass off from start well, to finish. Nick the Dick, classic comedy. The, Are you kidding? Check out my tits. The ass through the Amazing. sunroof. Yeah. The ass through the sunroof. It doesn't get funnier. It's like a fart joke. It's, you know. One I just that came to my mind that I'll just quickly recommend now in case people haven't seen it. Something you said reminded me, but everyone has seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but there's a spiritual sequel called The Wildlife. That is worth a look. Yeah, that's with, a good one. With Chris Penn. Chris Penn instead of Sean Penn, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty good. I think it's got the... Eric Stoltz might be the lead in that. It's a Cameron Crowe, I think. Yeah, it's his version. Yeah. 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 And the other one, the other one that I would throw out, which... I think everyone should see uh, is Fraternity Vacation starring oh, Tim Robbins yes. and John Vernon and Amanda Bess, a.k.a. Marcy Darcy Chicken at Large from... Uh... Not to mention Willie from Elf. Is he in it? Yeah, he's the dad that walks in at the end when they moon him. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah right. Yeah, I, for some reason I thought you were, you meant Willie from um, Charles in Charge. <laughs> no, no. Willie Ames was Elf. in this. You know the dad but, that yeah. talks like he's that? He's the dad. Elf. He's the one who... He, <laughs> He basically bribes, yeah. uh, uh, what's his name, Tim, uh, t- to take his nerdy son with him to get him laid. Oh, Tim Robbins, yeah. Tim Robbins. Tell you, oh, fuck, I'm so glad you said Fraternity Vacation because, geez, that was a great movie. And it's a movie that I kind of wish I hadn't seen so I could talk about it on this podcast. You yeah. Know? Oh. And also, Cherry uh, J. Wilson is the other star of that film, the yep. female lead from uh, Walker, Texas Ranger, The uh, not the shitty remake that's on Stan right now, but the original... <sighs> Kick-ass Chuck Norris, wooden acting masterpiece. Bloody hell! Was it Tim Robbins played a character? I think his name was Brewster, because it was it Stephen Jeffries that's in it. Yeah, Stephen Jeffries yeah. is and, the and and he keeps going, oh Brewster, <laughs> <laughs> cracks me up. Um, well, that's a good one to probably you know segue into my next recommendation. <clears throat> um, I had trouble this week because there were lots of movies I wanted to watch, but. They just weren't available. I couldn't find them anywhere. Not even YouTube. Like this, very hard to come by. So I had to sort of settle for this one. It's a it's a VHS that I grew up knowing very well. I think I owned it and just never watched it. Um, it's Beverly Hills Brats. So do you know of this one? Uh, look, I thought it was you were talking about Trip Beverly Hills when you mentioned it. There was a cray. There's a wave of, of Beverly those, Hills movies. Yeah, and it's very similar to kind of Richie Rich and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I actually I put it on today. Yeah. Or at least I put on the first half an hour of it. Yeah. Uh, before I thought oh, I don't need to keep well, watching this. My God, it's awful. Like, and, and it shouldn't be because it's got Martin Sheen, it's got Burt Young, Terry Moore, Joe Santos, and the lead actor is Peter Billingsley, who was Ralphie from A Christmas Story. Yeah. And this was when he was sort of coming up in Hollywood. He was potentially going to be, you know, one of these teen stars. Yeah. And um, that didn't quite happen for him. Only now is he being rediscovered with his um, Christmas Story Christmas yeah. that's just been released. But um, I knew I was in trouble, though. The second this movie started, no, it hasn't even finished the opening credits. Which is a long car race. <clears throat> but Whoopi Goldberg yeah. <laughs> pulls up to the camera in her fatal beauty car, I believe, Looks at the audience and says, Beverly Hills Brats. Yeah. And then shrugs her shoulders and drives away. And that is it. Yeah. And on the poster and the, the VHS art, it says special appearance by Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. That is it. That's it's like they were shooting get. on the lot. Yeah. On the same lot. And they, uh, which I, look, I actually quite enjoyed. I thought the, the editing was so clunky with it. That was what ruined it. Had she actually drawn up, driven up properly, but it was just like a, a weird jump cut to her in the car. Well, yeah, it's like an insert. Like, and, <laughs> and the thing that's so kind of upsetting too is that it's it, it's the older brother and sister who aren't really, 
the main. They're not the main character. No. So it's such an odd opening to focus on of them racing through the streets of Beverly Hills in like a Maserati and a and a, to- a well, Toyota. It's just, a, it's just to show that they're privileged and that they're spoiled. super rich. Yeah. Um. So the premise is that Peter Billingsley is the son of a very wealthy plastic surgeon who's played by Martin Sheen, and. The family are the stereotypical self-centered narcissistic rich people that we all know, you know, in the movies. But this kid feels ignored. Um, well, he is. Well, he is ignored. <laughs> Justifiably yeah. so. He convinces a crook, played by Burt Young, to, to kidnap him so that the family will actually notice him. That's the weird thing about this is that there's there's two sets of villains. Yeah. There's Burt Young and his buddies who are like just kind of lovable losers almost. And, and turn out not to be villains, even villains. though they're crooks. Yeah. They're, yeah. But they're just trying to make a buck. Whereas then you've got um, and I, Joe Santos uh, from um, Rockford Files. Yeah. He's like the lieutenant in Rockford Files. And the guy who's like, he's always plays a villain in Clint Eastwood movies. Like he's the, in hard times, he's the, the yep. not the main guy that he fights, but like the second main guy that he fights. He's a bald, he always, he's always in prison movies and stuff. They seem to be the real bad guys, which is so incredibly odd. It's just an insufferable movie, mate. Like, yeah. it's an insufferable plot. Um, it plays... And then Mrs. Howell is his grandmother from Gilligan's Island. Oh, that's right. Jesus. But she's like, has a totally throwaway part. It's her, I think it's her last film, was it? When she's playing poker at the table? Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. I think it was the last thing she ever did. But um, it plays like a satire, which is really weird as well. And the only time I laughed throughout the entire movie was when Martin Sheen and the family are doing like a live news broadcast sort of interview. And like his comments back to the newsreader amused me. A little bit, like yeah. <laughs> it wasn't hilarious, but I thought he delivered them um, well. What I did like about it is eighties technology, <laughs> about how like they've got like, like they've got like the supercomputers and all that sort of stuff in their house, and, yeah, yeah, and everything, and that's <laughs> yeah. kind of cool. Like even though it's like to this day we don't have stuff like that. I know, but um, I mean, I just wondered watching this, and I made it probably three quarters of the way through before I just stopped. It. I just <laughs> couldn't get to the end, but. What would what was Martin Sheen thinking? Like signing on to this? Well, I mean, My guess is it was just that wave of Beverly Hills movies that were popular. You know, Beverly yeah. Hills Cop started it, and then everything was Beverly Hills something. Was it um the guy that played Matlock? I think was it what was the movie Matlock? No, the guy that was in the the that New Zealand movie that we talked about a while ago, the Zephyr film with Donald Pleasance. Who was the uh, the handsome guy in that? The oh. Taking of Beverly Hills. The guy in that. That's the movie I'm talking about. Anyway. Um, not Michael Pare. Um, that kind of guy. The guy from Wise Guy. Yeah, Wise Guy is what I'm not, Matlock. Wise Guy. Um, He's in The Taking of Beverly Hills. That was also one of those, you know, start of a trend. Anyway, I'm sort of just blabbling on now. It's upset me now that I don't know who the guy from Wise Guy is. I can't remember his name. Yeah, he, um, he fell out of Hollywood. I think he had an incident or something. Uh, anyway. Uh, Ken Wilde. Ken Wilde, that's it. Yep, yep. He's uh he's just messaged you, mate. Yeah, <laughs> his ears were burning. Um, the the only positive I can take away from this movie is the uh the great poster design, and it's got several poster designs. So the one on um IMDb is not the one I'm thinking. It's the VHS cover for Australia, where it was essentially the kid tied up on the bonnet of maybe a Rolls Royce or something like yeah. that, with the zany characters behind him, and that's what always appealed to me. Like I like the look of that movie, down and out in Beverly Hills. That's another one. Yeah. Like all these fucking movies. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a movie that, uh, I don't wish to go back to anymore. I can't recommend it to anybody, but, um, I haven't seen it. So I did see it on YouTube. That's where I watch it. it the quality is pretty poor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's where I watched it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you pulled out your old VHS. No, I sold that with the rest of them. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Good Movie Monday is made possible with the support of people like Viewlorium. Viewlorium is a streaming platform for rare and obscure movies, and it's absolutely free. They also have a catalogue full of kids' flicks, classic movies, foreign cinema, and more. Visit Viewlorium.com today to see what it's all about. All right, I think you mentioned uh, Secret Admirer before in your list. I didn't, but no, I could have. That, that's a great film. Yeah, that's one I haven't seen. But uh, that's really good. So that, of, do you remember there was that period of time where C. Thomas Howe was just starring in a in a everything good seemed to star C. Thomas Howe. Damn straight. C. Thomas Howe and John Cryer were everywhere. Yeah, and um, I'm going to talk about John Cryer maybe on one of our midweek videos this week. Uh, the, the amazing thing about John Cryer is that if you look at any of his, there's only one film that he did as a teenager. <laughs> All the rest, he's well into his 20s and he's still playing high school students in a lot of them. Patrick Dempsey's the other one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, let's just move on to your final well, confession. I was going to say, in just one of the guys, I think Joyce Heiser was like 28. Yeah. Well, actually, in the uh, the Chocolate War, uh, the Doug Hutchison was nearly 30, playing a 17, 18-year-old. Yeah. Which is what always, you know, kind of upset me. Like I like even watching things like Beverly Hills, 90210 and stuff, thinking that's what high school kids, that's what we, I'll look like when I get to high school. Yeah, yeah. And realizing when I got to high school that I looked the same as I did in grade six kind of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was still like a kid. And I'm yeah. like, hang on a second. When does this car driving, like, I mean, I don't know how they do it in the US, but it, at 16, if I was driving a car, it would have been a fucking disaster. But there's also that perspective of age. I mean, we look back now at kids that are finishing high school and they just look like bloody They look like schools. little kids. Yeah. Well, look, and that is true even when I watch reruns of Beverly Hills 90210 and I think, oh, they look really young. But it's only really in comparison to what they look like now. Yeah, I know. Also, but when you were really young and they were older, then yeah. you're like, oh, God, they look old. It's they look just, old, yeah. yeah. Fucking... I thought I'd be so mature. Time is a scary thing. What's your final confession? <laughs> Step up, mate. Well, look, I've, I've, I'm sticking to the year 1985, and I'm going to talk about a classic. It's actually it's pretty similar to, to just one of the guys in some ways. It is Tomboy, right? Starring. I have um, not seen that. Have not seen it. I just remember seeing the video at the video store when I was a kid, and stupidly not buying it uh, when it was an X rental. Uh, but it does star um, Betsy Russell. The great Betsy Russell from Private School. Uh, she's from she's uh, Angel in Avenging Angel, the Angel sequel. Yep. Uh, she's also in um, Bloody Pom Poms, or it's got another Cheerleader Camp, or something like that. I think it's called. It's a great slasher. Um, it's directed by Herb Freed, the guy who directed Graduation Day and uh, Beyond Evil. And in it, basically, Betsy Russell plays a. She's a, a girl whose father was a like a NASCAR kind of driver or stock car driver, and uh, but he's passed away, and she works as a mechanic at this garage, and she started to develop the reputation as being like the best mechanic in the in town. Right, uh, and then she's um, a regular Charlene, mate. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. She's yeah, she's Kylie Minogue with much, which with a much better rack. If uh, that doesn't get me cancelled. Uh, <laughs> Rack of motor oils and, and funny, you know air fresheners and it, yeah yeah in um, in just one of the guys during the commentary they kind of make fun of because the movie kind of starts with Joyce Heiser Jade uh, Joyce Heiser kind of getting out of bed in like a pink kind of crop top and and underpants 
and kind of, you know, walking to the window and kind of stretching out and kind of, you know, they kind of, in the commentary, they joke about, oh, that's how I get up every morning, even now. Um, And this movie starts kind of exactly the same with Betsy Russell wearing skimpy clothes, getting up and, you know, stretching in front of the window. That's how us guys have to get up. How else do we know what time it is if we don't get the sundial out? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. It just stops me from being able to roll over. Uh, It's like a kickstand. Kickstand, yeah. but she's kind of got this crush on uh, this kind of guy who's uh, he's like the local racing champ who's yep. being backed by this millionaire. And uh, they come into the garage one day and she's able to fix his car and, um, you know, they kind of end up having a thing. Sparks but then fly. <laughs> sparks fly. But then it kind of comes out that, you know, she thinks she's just as good of a driver as he is. And, of course, that doesn't stand. So they have to have a race to prove yeah, it. Right. And, you know, which is, it's a bit ridiculous only because she doesn't seem to have actually ever driven a race, a car in a race before. And he's like a local champion. Yeah. Um, But, you know, all that aside, it is, (laughs) look, it is, it is a kind of a fun film to watch. It is a bit more clunky than, certainly than just one of the guys, which is probably one of the better filmmaking examples. Yeah. This one, either... Either they fucked around with it in the edit or they just never had it in the script. But there's a lot of weird story inconsistencies and bizarre leaps of logic that have always bothered me in, in film. Yeah. Um, but it is still a pleasant way to spend 70, 80 minutes, whatever the runtime is. Uh, and look, you just can't go wrong looking at Betsy Russell, Sounds to be honest. Sounds like a recommendation to me. Yeah, look, definitely worth checking out. Like, if you're going to do the Betsy Russell <laughs> trilogy, then it's going to be Private School, Tomboy, and Avenging Angels. Like, they're the... Although, uh, well, I suppose Quadrilogy, because you've got to do Cheerleader Camp as well, because that's, that's pretty fantastic. Although, I think in Cheerleader <laughs> Camp, the thing that's so ridiculous about Cheerleader Camp is that she's the ugly girl. All right. <laughs> It's like she's the, like the team mascot, the cheerleader mascot, because she's not good, good, good looking well, enough to be a cheerleader. That's Kathy uh, Island in Alien from LA, isn't it? Like, yeah. put some glasses on her and she's the ugly chick. Well, just open her mouth. Like, that voice that she does in the <laughs> film, Jesus. It just, it makes me want to bash her head in with a rock. Stop talking like that. It's a bit extreme. It is a bit extreme. Bit extreme. <laughs> But wait, to go and watch Alien from LA and then tell me that that voice doesn't just, it's like nails on a chalkboard. Indeed. All right, well, with that. With, uh, on that bombshell. That brings us to the end of the show. Let's let's continue this chat on a video though. So sure. tomorrow night's video, we'll, uh, we'll talk about some more movies that we haven't seen and actually haven't seen. The ones that we haven't had time to watch. And um, that'll be interesting to come say, how, how do you talk about movies you haven't seen? We'll find uh, out. Uh, you have no idea. <laughs> Uh, everybody listening, please subscribe to our Facebook page and uh, and our YouTube channel. Um, mate, it's great to have you back at the desk. It's great to be back. Next week is our final episode for the year. So That's you're, even you're greater. Back, you're back yeah. just in time. <laughs> just in time. It's like when you take uh, you take your holidays around public holidays. Yeah, it's like right. I'm back and they're all back on holiday again. <laughs> We're going to attempt to do that Christmas party thing again. We did it a, a couple of years ago where we had everybody in on a Zoom call. Uh, oh, is that what we're doing? Or are we doing it? Are, they, are we coming here to do it? No, we'll just do a big Zoom call. I mean, right. you can come here and Zoom from the other side of the desk if you want. That's fine. That, no, that's. Remember, we tried that before. I had to go into the other room with the, with another computer because otherwise, the <laughs> feedback, we had feedback loops. <laughs> well, it is an all in Zoom affair just so that we can have everybody in the one place at the one time, including the boneheads. They're going to have to get up at the crack of a sparrow's fart. 
<laughs> so those people are Jarrett, Gamo, Joe, Chad, James, Malzi, and Chloe, and then of course the two of us. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, although at this point in time, I'm not prepared. <laughs> yeah, no. at all. No. I mean, look, I've got plenty of. I watch because I watch so many Hallmark movies. I've plenty of Hallmark, plenty of Christmas movies. Oh, there's no end to those. They've been playing in my house, even though I haven't been watching them. I can hear them in the other yeah. room. And uh, they what, suck you in. What I'm having trouble with is the other thing that you asked us to do, because I don't think I've got anything. Oh, well, that's a but, uh, remains yeah, that's to be a, seen. <laughs> yeah. Revealed next week. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. It's been a pretty fun episode. Um, you can catch bite-sized TikToks of us uh, on the TikTok uh, platform as well. So, um, And everything else to do. The interviews have bite-sized TikToks as well. Do they? Yeah. People love them. <laughs> Your voice went really high there. I know. It's because I'm... Because uh, you're as, full of shit. No, I as mean, you know, I'm still combating the COVID cough. Yes. So the whole time I've been talking to me, trying to hold it in, and maybe it's just coming out like in a wheeze. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, hey, here's another song that feels like it, it was in every bloody teen movie from the 80s, but it actually, I think, was only in Pretty in Pink, and it's called If You Leave by the Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. What a dumb name for a band. <laughs> But a great song. But, but sure. <laughs> well, you don't like that? You do like that? Uh, look, until I hear the song, I, I don't even know what the song is. Oh, you, you certainly do. Um, anyway, see you next week, Ben. See you, everybody, next week. It's the all-in Christmas party. Get ready. It's going to be fun. Hype people up, Ben. I'm, look, I'm loving your dancing right now. <laughs> i got a swivel chair. You do, swivel. swivel chair. The arms are going. It's like watching a shuffler on uh, TikTok. <laughs> but like a sitting down one whose legs aren't moving.
Touch you twice.